Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. If you would please, turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy for our reading. It's a, it's a reading of a, a portion of the Ten Commandments. And if you're, if you're joining us just now on the internet, we welcome you to the 10 a.m. service of Whitestone Christian Fellowship here in upstate New York in the beautiful Finger Lakes region. Our, uh, our teaching this morning uh, is in Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 20, and our reading is here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 16 to 22. As I mentioned, it's only a portion of the Ten Commandments. They're divided into two sections. The first three commandments have to do with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But the rest of the seven of the commandments are what we're going to read, and it has to do with how we treat one another, our fellow man, our families, our neighbors, our loved ones. And it's important to understand that as we're getting into this book of Ephesians again, we started out last October, I think, and uh, we got up through chapter 4 before the holidays. And now we're back in chapter 5 as we get into it. But we have to be reminded that I want to remind you what, what the church at Ephesus was like. It was a church that was steeped in a culture of idolatry. Even as Paul in Acts 19 got into the city of Ephesus, he found a lot of pushback to his message. People were reluctant. And even at one point, the silversmith came to him and said, you're going to put us out of business. And he said, great is the goddess Diana. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So we need to know who Diana is. She is a goddess of fertility, and in Ephesus, they had a great temple that was built to her in honor of her. And unfortunately, it was not a religious, it was not a religious service that was held there regularly. It was little more than an orgy with people doing unseemly things to one another. And even as it says in the Scriptures, men with men and women with women, doing the things that weren't natural. And so that was the culture that Paul was giving the message to. That was the culture that Paul wanted to work with because he saw how they were devoted to Diana, and if he, could, he could, if he could introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it stuck with them, their devotion to him would be even greater. 
And so as we read these 16, these, uh, these verses in Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting with verse 16, it reminds us, and this is a commandment, and you'll find these repeated in Exodus chapter 20 as well. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, neither shalt thou commit adultery, neither shalt thou steal, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor, neither shall you desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shall you covet thy neighbor's house or his field or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or his ass or anything that is thy neighbor's. It's incredible to think that once people fall away from the true God, this is what their lives start to take on. Now, you might know families in people in your own families. You may know people in your neighborhood. These are the kinds of things that God really struggles with in applying grace and forgiveness to. His grace and forgiveness is there for all. And his death on the cross covered the sins that these seem to indicate, as well as the first three that basically violate a wonderful, warm relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 1, we find that when people leave the true God that they know is God, their lives are slowly reduced as they fall away. In Romans 1, it says that even though they knew God, they worshipped Him not as God. They left Him out of their daily routine. And they made other gods that were more convenient to themselves, gods made like to man, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. It's nothing new. But that's, this, that's just the start of a progression, a downward progression, a spiraling away from a relationship with God. In spite of the fact that they knew Him, they rejected Him. Sexual sin is the thing that follows. And eventually it ends up that God, God is merciful and He gives them up to do those things that they want to do. And it reminds me of the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes with King Solomon. Solomon was a great wealthy king for Israel. And he tried everything he could to fulfill himself. His wealth, his hundreds of wives, his horses, his holdings, the, the palace. He tried all of those things and he found that it was all vanity. It was all just emptiness. Emptiness. 
And that's, well, I can't help but think that Solomon tried all of this stuff too. The way he dealt with people. Except he was an anointed king of Israel. And his testimony is that he was among the wealthiest and the wisest of the kings of the earth. Kings and rulers from other countries would go to seek his advice. He was a great king, but not a perfect king because he was a human, he was a man. So as we look at, as we look at the, uh, the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul has gone through Paul has gone through a number of different issues in dealing with our relation, relationship with God. He warns us at the end of chapter 4, he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, in verse 30, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. God wants us to know that we are sealed and we are we are set apart for redemption and for glory in eternity. And he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It's interesting, he says, put it away with malice. <laughs> this is the one time that I think he would, he would honor a malice or a malicious attitude that when we decide that we truly hate these things and they don't do us any good, they just make more enemies for ourselves. Malice is a good way to say that this is not what I want to do anymore. So Paul says, put those things away. And be ye kind one to another, in verse 32, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He brings it right back home. This is what God asks you to do. And how interesting that Paul has to tell the Ephesians these things because they have come so far away from God that this is what their lives were like. They were filled with anger, Bitterness, wrath, clamor, filled with evil speaking. And Paul says, put those things away. You don't need them. And they certainly don't glorify God. He basically is saying, put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge of the one that gave you a brain. Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And he continues, Be ye therefore followers as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. When I look back at that first, that first verse of chapter 5, it's a command. He said, Be ye. He said, do it. Do it. You know what? If we try it, we find that we like it. And so it, it's easy to do, to be a follower of God, literally a disciple of Christ. 
and dear children. It's interesting, this word dear, it means beloved. If you've been around your Bible for a while, you know that the word agape is a specific kind of love that God has towards us, and it's freely given. But this, this word that's used here is a combined form, and it is agapeteos. And it means that it's related, this love is related directly to the thing that follows. So it's the love that you have as dear, cherished, beloved children. It's a giving kind of love. And he says, and walk in love, walk in agape, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given us himself as an offering and a sacrifice. One of the key traits of Jesus' life on earth was his service to mankind. His service in bringing redemption, but in his willingness to teach patiently teach and to heal people not only spiritually but physically as well to help them to help them lead lives that are more normal and more pleasing to himself the people that he would heal for the most part they generally walked away praising his name and praising God for sending him He gave us all of this. He gave us himself as a model, as an example of service to our fellow man. But he said, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. That's what their life was like. The culture of idolatry, the culture of worship of Diana, that goddess of fertility. He says fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. I'm calling you out of the world. I'm calling you out of your culture. I'm calling you out of what you're used to doing. And the Lord is calling you out as well. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, joking, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. Just the simple giving of thanks can displace all of those things. When we think of when we think of the fornication, that's obvious. All uncleanness. That's that's un, that's clear as well. But covetousness. 
it makes me think that the clothes that they wore on the way in to worship the goddess Diana, and I use the word worship loosely, that they put on their Sunday best, draped with jewels and gold and silver, the plating of hair, all of those things, especially with the women, to make themselves more beautiful. And since, and since there was so much that had to be done to make yourself look attractive, the men did it too. I want to look better than what's-her-name. I want to look better than he did last week. All of these things, that's covetousness. Because you know who they were with last week? Wow. Looking for all of those things to make themselves feel better about themselves, but rather the giving of thanks. Filthiness, foolish talking, joking, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. We don't have to be covetousness. We don't have to be filled with covetousness. We don't have to covet other people or their goods or anything else. In fact, God's commandments forbid it. If we're true believers and we worship God, then Jesus is the one who has given us the example of the lack of covetousness. He had no home. He had no place to lay his head. He was born in us stable and he lived in the homes of those that followed him does Jesus live in your home <laughs> is is your home a home for him that's a challenge how do you keep your home like a palace meant for a king? How do we keep our hearts? Are our hearts clean for him? Do we examine our own hearts regularly? He says, for this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. See, all of these things can be the outpouring of or the development of idolatry. And idolatry brings these things on. No whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous person who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. How unfortunate that as we, as we look in the media and we hear about the goings-on in other countries around the world as well as our own country, that this is all typical of the world. A world that rejects God. And I know the United States is 
more or less a Christian country. It was founded on the Judeo-Christian beliefs and the Ten Commandments. How we treat one another was formed into a constitution that declared our freedom. But as we look around in our own communities, we see all of these things still evident in our culture. He continues in verse 6 and he says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. They're children of disobedience. That's an adjective. Disobedient children. These things cometh the wrath. They bring on the wrath of God upon his own children. God disciplines those whom he loves. That's how, that's how freely he loves us. And it's, it's everything that we want and need is to know love, the love of another person, the love of family. It's a sense of security. It's a sense of belonging. And the same thing applies to the love of God. We belong to His family. How do we treat the head of our house? It says, honor our father and our mother. And that doesn't mean that once we're grown, we don't still, we are still not called to honor our fathers and our mother's name in remembrance. Just because we're adults doesn't mean we can go ahead and sully the family name. Just because our parents and grandparents may be gone, it doesn't mean that we still can't bring honor to our family name. So honor thy father and thy mother. Are your mom and dad proud of you? Would they be proud of you if they were still alive, in case they're already passed on? If we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we find that our goal is to please Him, and in doing so, we end up pleasing our parents as well, especially if they've gone on to glory Our parents would, would think they're on the right path. They're doing things well. They're not living perfectly, but they're trying to please God. And it reminds me of David, King David. He was an adulterer. He was a, mirror, uh, a murderer and a conspirator. But the Scriptures tell us that he had a heart after God. And God used him mightily to build the nation of Israel and to establish a capital for them. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Well, here's, here's the vain words. Oh, well, that's okay. This is how we've always been. 
we've always done it this way. <laughs> now, humans are adverse to change. But are we willing to be changed? Do we want something better for ourselves? It's not covetous. It's not covet. It's not coveting to want to be better. To want to be pleasing to God. That's something that we should all covet. But we should not be covetous of our neighbors or our family members. We get the impression in reading these words here in Paul's, Paul's epistles, which are so full of love, but it's also full of conviction because of the culture that they were in. And quite frankly, when we go through all of his epistles, he does the same thing. He points out their faults. And he says, you can do better. Fall in love with Jesus Christ and you will do better. He will fulfill all of your needs and all of your desires. And how do we fall in love with Jesus? By getting to know him more personally. Reading his word. Hearing of his kindness and his love and his acceptance of people. And understanding that in spite of their imperfections, he still has mercy and forgiveness for them all if we would just ask. If we would just ask. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Oh, it's always been this way. It's okay. You can continue to live like that. I was reading a blog this past weekend and this past week at the end of the week and a man said basically he was addressing this passage, but he said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Literally, be a disciple. Be a disciple of Christ and follow his teachings. And then he went on to point out the word if in so many of the scriptures of the promises of God. We speak of God's unconditional love. And this man pointed out that apparently there are conditions to it. Well, I'm sorry, that's a false teaching. God's love and his rewards are two separate things. If we want his rewards, there are conditions to the rewards. If you love me, keep my commandments. Thereby we understand that if we don't keep his commandments, apparently we don't love him enough. If we fall into sin, we're not following his commandments. If we give in to temptation, we're not following his commandments. And we're loving that other thing more than we love God. That's tough to swallow. But he was trying to put, a point across, put across the point that 
His love, His love is not freely given. And that's the lie. For God so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever might believe on Him should be saved, should be given eternal life. God's love went out to the whole world freely and without condition. His unconditional love was perfected in the giving of His Son. If you believe on Him, you will be saved. If you put your trust in Him, you'll be saved. If you love Him, you'll be saved. So the rewards of heaven are ours, but those are conditional. His love is unconditional. Two separate things. His love is unconditional. His rewards apparently are conditional. Because we read that word, if, in the King James Version over 1,500 times. If. If. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus taught us. He taught us many things. And He asked that we follow Him. We follow Him in a life of service. We follow Him in a life of sharing the gospel. We follow Him in a life of self-sacrifice when it's called for. And sometimes even when it's not called for. When someone asks you something, ask you for something, give it freely. If the need is there and you can fulfill it, that's a crown, in, that's a jewel in your crown when you get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, you can't keep your crowns because all the crowns are thrown at Jesus' feet. But it's a crown. And it is bejeweled if your works are the works of Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words, because for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't fall into their enticements to come back into the old world, the old man that you supposedly had put off and replaced with Christ. He says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light. Walk your talk. Live it. When you meet someone, let your, let your countenance and your attitude and even your body language Promote the Lord Jesus Christ so that when they see you, there's a Christian and they know it immediately. If you love one another, they will know you are my disciples. 
Jesus said it the other way around. They will know that you are one of his disciples by the way you love others. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Goodness, righteousness, making right decisions, goodness, kindness, humility, all of those things, righteousness and truth. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life he taught us. He is the truth. Anything other than Jesus is suspect. And he's proving, in verse 10, he's proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfaithful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. When you're confronted with them, and aren't we confronted with them on a daily basis in some way, shape, or form? We're confronted with them continually. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of, works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Light exposes, exposes the darkness. In fact, light dispels the darkness. So be ye children of light, he's telling us. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Wake up and smell the roses. You call yourself a Christian? That's not what you're supposed to be doing. And as we, as we went through the book of Colossians, we found that the people in Colossae were changed. They were changed first by those outward manifestations of those sins that everybody recognizes. They were changed by the things that they did and the things that they involved themselves with. But then it went a step further. And it said, now you do all of these things. And it was the attitudes of the heart. It was the corrupt, the corrupt thinking. The corrupt thoughts. Give up all of those things. Those are things that people from the outside don't necessarily see. You know, go ahead, purge yourself of those outward behaviors that everybody recognizes. But then go this next step and cleanse your inward man as well. Let Jesus fill you with more of himself. In other words, make room for him. Get rid of the old stuff. Make room for him. His desire and as Christians, our desire is for him to live on that pedestal of our heart continually. But there are so many distractions in the world. 
There's so many times that people insult us. There are so many times that people abuse us and take advantage of us. There are so many times that the works of darkness are right at the doorstep. It is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead. Wake up, look around. Walk circumspectly, being aware of all of your surroundings so that when you recognize darkness or a dark corner, you can avoid that, I'm falling back in my Catholic background, that near occasion of sin. We can fall away from those things. We can recognize them and say, run for your life. (laughs) Because that's what we really need to do. Because it's not this life we're trying to preserve. It's our life with our Heavenly Father in eternity that we want to keep and build and preserve. Awake, thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How interesting, by, by walking as children of light and allowing, allowing the Lord to give us light when we wake up from the darkness, we find out what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is specific to each one of us. How He wants us to live, how He wants us to serve, who He wants us to be, and how we are to reflect Him in our daily living, in our interaction with others. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine. He doesn't say that we can't drink wine. In fact, in, his, in one of his epistles to Timothy, he said, Timothy, drink a little wine for your oft infirmities. Apparently, some wines will settle stomachs. Water was a precious commodity in Israel at this time, in much of the world. Pure, clean drinking water. Most of the world drank wine or at the very least, grape juice. Just don't be drunk with it. Wherein is excess? But be filled with the Spirit. Capital S, Spirit. You've gone by liquor stores and they have this advertisement that says, Wine and Spirits. What kind of a spirit is the does does drunkenness bring? It brings an evil spirit. We are taken away from ourselves and our inhibitions, our natural, even Christian inhibitions, are gone. So be filled with the Spirit. 
Don't be drunk with those spirits. There was a man in the New Testament that he was filled with spirits, evil spirits. And Jesus cast them out. And those spirits were so evil that they needed a place to go, and so they went into a, to a herd of swine. And the swine didn't know what they were doing because they were under the control of the evil spirits and they all ran off over a cliff into into the sea. Those spirits make you do crazy things. (laughs) Self-destructive things. And the Lord says, be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. You won't be doing crazy things. You'll be filled with love and compassion, with kindness and humility. And he says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns. The psalms are all praiseworthy readings. They all point to David's, many of them point to David's relationship with with Christ and with God. But we also saw that David used them one time with King Saul. In 1 Samuel 16, we read of Saul being troubled by an evil spirit. And he called for young David to come and strum on his harp for him. And when he did, music is that powerful, when he did, the evil spirit was driven away And peace came over King Saul again. In verse 23 of 1 Samuel 16, and it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Paul, now Saul was. Saul was being disobedient. He was being uh, proud. He was acting like he was a bigger king than he really was. And God sent him an evil spirit. And when the evil spirit from God was sent upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. In the last several decades, we have had three or four
three or four evangelical meetings. Two from the Billy Graham Association and two from, from a Southern California church. And they use, they use music. The first part of the programs are always the music. Singing praises, hymns, singing God's wonders, and offering praise because music opens up the heart and puts a right spirit in us when it's psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It puts the audience in those crusades in the right frame of mind and readies them to hear the Word of God being preached and offering an opportunity to come forward and dedicate yourself to Christ. Now, that's one of the reasons we open up our services with hymns. It puts us in a right frame of mind to receive the Word. And that's what we desire. We desire that kind of music speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly we are making thanksgiving to Him and singing His praises. It can turn us around. Those spiritual songs and the hymns and the psalms, they can make us turn on a dime and bring our thoughts back to Christ where they belong. If He's number one on our heart, if He's ruling and reigning on that pedestal of our heart, then that's where we need to be, in communion with Him and singing His praises and being appreciative and thankful for all that they for all that He is to us. Now I mentioned Romans 1 before. How that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. And in verse 21 it says, neither were they thankful. Praise makes us thankful. It turns us around. And so we, we reiterate that first verse of chapter 5. Be therefore followers of God as dear, beloved children of His. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word this morning. We ask You to please let all of this message just sink in a little bit of the time or maybe all at once if we're open to it. Lord, we know that you don't give us more than we can bear, but Lord, we give a, you give us all that we need. And so Lord, let the message sink into our hearts deeply. We want to be your children. 
We don't want to be the children of the devil. We don't want to be the children of false gods and idols. We want to be yours because that's who we were made to be is yours. We thank you for the day. We ask that you go before us in all of our travels and all of our goings and comings this week. Lord, like, like children walking across a busy parking lot, hold our hands and keep us close. Keep us close. Keep us safe. Lord, we love you and we give you all thanks and honor and glory because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. If the Lord puts somebody in your path this week that wants to know why, you, why you're so happy and joyful, you get a chance, you get an open door to tell them about Jesus. Fulfill that. And God bless you this week. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.